Good morning, church. I can't think of a better way to start the service than with two baptisms like, like we did. What a, what a great way to, to celebrate the Lord's Day. To have a new brother and sister in Christ, uh, that's amazing. We're going to talk today about keeping the fire burning. And I've got a confession to make. I'm kind of a pyromaniac, okay? Not in like a arsonist sense where I'm going to burn your house down or, or catch somebody's house on fire or do something illegal, but I've always been fascinated by fires, and I've loved building fires. And in fact, if you could believe it, I've actually done a few foolish things in my life concerning <laughs> fires, okay? And I'm just going to kind of tell you just a few. I'm not going to tell you everything I've done, but uh, some of the more eventful things... Uh, Several years ago when we lived in the, and if you're from Davis Park, just plug your ears, but we lived in the Parsonage where we actually had a wood-burning stove there, and we had some guests over, and Leah said, hey, why don't you build a fire? Well, it had been snowing and stuff, and the wood was wet, so I put it in there, and I thought, okay, I'm going to get this going real quick, so I went out to the garage, and against her wishes, I got a little bit of gasoline, just, I mean, like that much in a glass, and I'd tried the, the newspapers before, it didn't work, and so we had a little bit of embers still in there, so I whoosh, threw that in there, and you can imagine the fireball that, that came out, enough to singe the back of the couch, and um, she was not exactly happy about that. The other kind of a significant event when it came to fire was last Thanksgiving, and we had bought a new fire pit, and Leah's brother was down, and he's kind of a pyromaniac like me, and so we had cut this wood, and, and so we were building this fire, and, and we were kind of egging each other on, and he'd put on a log, and I'd put it on one, and finally we started stacking this up real high, and I said, let's build this thing, you know, kind of like the Bible says, seven times hotter than it's ever been before. And we had wood stacked up about that tall, and I said, you know, let's really get this thing going. And kids, I know this is Family Sunday, so don't do this, but we, we got the leaf, gas-powered leaf blower, and, I, and that kind of acts as a bellows, you know, when you really add a lot of oxygen to a fire, it, we really had it roaring. I mean, we had a hot fire like you wouldn't believe. In, in, in fact, it kind of melted the top of the fire pit grate down. We were fine until till that leaf blower blew sparks onto Leah's patio furniture. And so if you go to our backyard in our, our deck, we have little holes in the patio furniture as a constant reminder that Alan likes to play with fire. We're going to talk today about keeping the fire in your life going. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Leviticus. Now, if you've been reading through the Bible... You probably have already read this passage of Scripture, and you probably skimmed right over the top of it, and it didn't even soak in. You probably did, it didn't even grab your attention. Because honestly, I don't know a lot of people that use the book of Leviticus for their daily devotional readings. And, you know, sometimes it, it can become a little laborious to read. The book of Leviticus is a handbook for the priests and Levites outlining their worship duties, it's a guideline for holy living for all of the Hebrews. 
It contains instruction on how to make an offering, how to conduct worship, how to live your personal life, how to live society's life. It goes into great detail about what is acceptable and what's not, down to the kind of clothes you can wear, the food you can eat, and how you deal with certain health issues such as skin rashes and leprosy. And sometimes people that want to discredit the Bible or Christianity, they'll pull some obscure verse out of the book of Leviticus that maybe deals with blending wool and cotton together, and they say, see how silly the Bible is? Or how you treat a a skin rash. And honestly, there is a lot of what's in the book of, uh, of Leviticus that we really don't follow anymore. That doesn't necessarily apply to us in a direct sense like that. For example, we don't make burnt offerings or sacrifices. And we can now eat shrimp, which I'm glad because I like shrimp. We can eat catfish. And it's okay to blend cotton and wool together. You see, these restrictions were part of the Old Testament covenant, and they were a a part of God revealing Himself to His people, but they don't apply to us in that type of a sense today, not in the literal sense. But there are, are things in the book of Leviticus that we still need to follow and still can affect our lives. And I believe these two verses contain a profound principle in our life that if we follow them, will absolutely assure that we keep the fire burning within our life. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Leviticus chapter 6. We're only going to read two verses today. Verses 12 and 13. 12 and 13, and these are the instructions that God gave the Levites on taking care of the sacrifice or the altar that the sacrifices were going to be made on. Verse 12 says, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and shall burn it on it, the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. I believe the principle that we need to get from those two verses is something that we need to apply every day. And that is that we need to keep the fire burning within our life. I think one of the saddest sights to see is when someone's fire in their life goes out. They live life with no passion, no energy, no enthusiasm. Nothing excites them anymore. They just go through the motions. But I think it's a great tragedy when we see someone's spiritual fire go out. And it's really sad, and I've seen this happen time and time again. Somebody that you've admired and you think, boy, their fire in their life burns bright. The Holy Spirit is on fire in their life, and they once had a passion for the Lord. They had a passion for the lost. They had a passion for serving, serving the Lord, and now they have no fire at all, and they're just going through the motions. In Matthew chapter 24, we read really an alarming verse, which ought to concern all of us, where it says, the love of most will grow cold. Some version says the love of many. So, brothers and sisters that once burned bright for the Lord, do you understand? Many of their fires will go out, and their love for the Lord will grow cold. 
I had someone ask me one time, when was your best day with Jesus? And before I could answer, he said, if you have to think about it, if it wasn't this week, then do something about it. And so what he was really saying was, don't let the fire in your life go out. Keep the fire in your relationship with Christ burning every day of your life. I believe there's some symbolism in these three verses or these two verses here that are going to help keep us burning our fire will help the fire from going out and being snuffed out and extinguished in our life. Number one here is that we need to start your day focused on the fire. Start your day focused on the fire. Verse 12 says, every morning the priest is to add firewood. Now, I don't know if any of you still heat your home with a fireplace or a stove, but you can add a lot of wood at night, and by the next morning, the fire is pretty much died down. There may be some coals and some embers. And so one of the first things you've got to do in the morning is you've got to throw wood in the fire and get this thing going so that it will heat your house up again. The very first time I went on an elk hunting trip, I hadn't lived in Watonga very long at the time, but two brothers asked me to go on an elk hunting trip to Colorado. And I said, hey, sounds like fun. I said, what do I need to bring? They said, well, we've got most everything. We've got this tent that's a wall tent and it's got a stove in the middle of it. Uh, and it'll keep us nice and warm. I will sound good. And they said, just bring a cot and a sleeping bag. Great. The only sleeping bag I had was a little old thin thing that my parents bought me when I first got to Bible college. Uh, they bought this thing at TG&Y, and they probably didn't spend a lot of money on it because it really didn't have much insulation or stuffing in it, you know. And I thought, hey, we're going to be nice and warm with that fire. Well, if you've been to Colorado and you burn any of that wood from Colorado, it burns really fast. I mean, you can have a lot of wood, and in a matter of no time, it's gone. So we got the fire going at night. Well, let me tell you, with that little sleeping bag, I like to froze to death. I was up about every hour throwing wood on the fire. These guys over here were toasty in their nice down sleeping bags, and I'm over here freezing to death, keeping the fire going. And they commented, hey, that was great to wake up in the morning, and we don't have to get the fire going. You kept that thing going all night? I said, oh, yeah, I was freezing to death. The next year, I fooled them because I got one of those goose-down mummy bags, you know, that you crawl in that's tapered. The only thing that you can see is your face. I mean, it was rated to like below zero. I didn't have to get up one time to put any wood in the fire. I was toasty and warm. And they said, we sure like the old sleeping bag better. (laughs) But you understand the principle, if you heat your house with a fire, you've got to take care of it. And that's one of the first things in the morning that you have to do is add fuel to the fire. I think... For us in our lives, that is so important that we have to every day add fuel to our fire. And the morning is so important, and for me, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day. And this is kind of what I've noticed in my life. If I focus on getting up in the morning and turn on the TV and listen to the news or turning on ESPN or watching Sports Center to see who won, who lost to watch the weather. Those things are all material things. And if you watch the news, you're probably going to be depressed and discouraged because it's always going to be about somebody investigating somebody or somebody attacking somebody. And and honestly, I'm sick of all of that. And it can really put you in a negative 
mood for the whole day. But more than that, it tells me what's really important in my life, where my priorities are, finding out how bad the Royals got beat last night or something like that. It, it focuses on my priorities. So that was what I used to do. I used to flip on the TV first thing in the morning or maybe read the newspaper. Now I don't turn on the TV anymore. The first thing I do in the morning is I have my Bible app and I listen to the Bible in the morning. And it sets the tone for the entire rest of the day. More than anything else, it shows where my priorities are at. If I wake up in the morning wanting anything other than fellowship with God, then I have to realize that I personally have my priorities out of whack. And I'm not tending to my fire. And it's real easy for us to say, well, I'll make time for God later. You know, unfortunately, later normally doesn't come, does it? We get busy, start answering emails, start doing whatever we're doing, and we don't get back to tending the fire in our life. Over the years, I've known more people than I care to count on who've drifted away from the Lord in their Christian life. And people that you thought were really committed, and I thought, man, they're grounded in in the Word. And, And now I've seen they've drifted away. And I've wondered, why did that happen? Why did that happen in their life and it didn't happen in my life? We see that in marriage. I don't think people wake up one day and say, you know, I just, I guess I'm kind of done with the marriage thing. And I, I really am not sure I love my spouse anymore. It didn't just happen in one day. It began to happen over a period of time. And they stopped taking care of nurturing that relationship and adding fuel to the fire of their marriage. And eventually, it began to grow cold. And then it just went out and died. So the reason why we see people that have drifted away from the Lord and maybe their fire went out is because they didn't tend to it. And they didn't continually add fuel to the fire of their spiritual life. And I want to tell you something really profound. If you tend to the spiritual fire every single day in your life, I want to tell you, you're not going to drift very far from the Lord in one day. Because if you do begin to drift away, that guess what? The next morning, you're going to add fuel to your spiritual fire again, and you're going to drift right back. So you're not going to go very far in one day. So that's the important thing we need to do. The first thing, we need to tend to the fire every day of our life. I was reading an article recently about marriage, and this article talked about the three most important times in the day for a married couple. And guess what the number one important time of the day was? First thing in the morning. That set the tone for the entire rest of the day, how you communicate with your spouse, the text messages you send, how you're going to respond when you see each other at the end of the day. When we begin our day out right with our spouse, That will set the tone. That's the same way with the Lord. It also applies to your children. If you wake your kids up in the morning yelling and screaming at them, get out of bed, whatever, that sets the tone how you're going to relate to those kids the rest of the day. That's one of the things I appreciated about my mom so much. 
that even when I deserved to be yelled and screamed at early in the morning, even if I was dragging my feet, getting ready for school, she didn't yell and scream at me and gripe all the way to school. The fires that you want to keep burning, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your children, you need to make sure that you fuel those fires the first thing. You need to keep doing that. First things first, add fuel to your spiritual fire. Second thing is you need to arrange each day of your life according to the fire. Arrange each day of your life according to the fire. Verse 12 says, every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire. Now, I'm just curious, have, have any of us ever seen a burnt offering? Anybody here? Okay, none of us have seen a burnt offering, but we have seen a backyard cookout. So there's a similar principle, okay? When you start cooking out, whether it's hamburgers or chicken or steaks, whatever you're cooking, hot dogs, you arrange these items according to the heat. Because you know if you've got a grill, if you've got charcoal or gas, there's always hot spots, and if you put a hamburger on that hot spot, it's going to get charred on the outside and it'll be raw on the inside. So you've got to constantly move this stuff around. Well, this one's getting a little done. Let's move it over here where the fire's not so hot. It, it's really a pretty simple process. That's why, guys, we can figure it out. Okay? Guys, we're normally in charge of the backyard outdoor grilling, right? So if you get your hamburger done early and but some are still cooking then okay I can kind of move this over to where I can just keep it warm but it won't cook anymore the symbolism that I see here is that we need to arrange each area of our lives as well so that our lives are full and balanced so that we can be living sacrifices to God what do we offer to God I'm gonna I think there's a lot of things that we can offer to God through our life, but I'm going to give you three suggestions, just three today. First is an offering of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that confess his name. You see, God is pleased when you praise him. But I want to tell you something. You don't praise God with your feelings. I would probably guess that there are some of you did not feel like coming to church this morning. Maybe something bad has happened or you've just been in a foul mood. You didn't feel good or whatever. And you walked in here and your feeling really wasn't like praising God today. But you don't praise God with your feelings. You praise God with your, with your words, with your actions with your attitude. So even if you're not all bubbly inside right now at this moment, you can still say, well, I may not feel good. I may not be happy. Things may not be going good in my life, but I can still praise God with my attitude because God, you are worthy of my praise. Amen. Second thing is you can offer an offering of service. And I want to tell you something really profound. When you serve others, you serve God. When you serve in ministry, when you serve and do something for the Lord here at the church, you're actually serving God. When you're involved in that ministry, 
Regardless of what ministry it is, whether it's lawn care or taking care of babies or teaching a Sunday school class, you are actually serving God. The Samaritan, we know him as the Good Samaritan, is a great example of serving God by serving others. He helped a Jewish man. And if you know much about the history of Jews and the Samaritans, Samaritans weren't accepted by the Jews. In fact, they were pretty much despised. This Samaritan had no reason to help this man, let alone pay a motel bill for him, but he did it, and by doing that, he served God. He loved both mankind and loved God and served them both. Third thing is an offering of financial giving. When you give to the Lord's work, you give to His people, you're giving to Him, and He's pleased. So I want to encourage you to kind of arrange these three offerings in your life so that it's balanced and organized. Your praise, your service, your devotional life, your giving. And you're going to arrange these things kind of on the grill of your life so that they're all in balance. Third principle I want us to see from this passage is is to feed the flame with the fat of fellowship. Feed the flame with the fat of fellowship. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. Now, let's go back to the backyard grill again. Those of us that have cooked on outside grill, and you start cooking, and the meat starts getting hot and juicy, and the fat starts dripping down into the fire, what happens to the grill? You get a flame up, right? It flames up because fat feeds the fire. It creates more fire. It's a pretty simple fact. I've got to tell you this kind of a funny story. Um, Leah's brother, and he probably, one I'm going to talk about, he probably won't be watching this, uh, this video, so I can, can use this. He had bought a new grill, and it wasn't just any grill. It was an infrared grill. And he went on to tell me how much he had paid for this and how great this infrared grill was, how well it cooked the meat, and how much better it's going to taste. And more than that, it won't flame up. I'm like, really? So we were having a cookout at their house, and he put these burgers on there. And as soon as he turned them over, guess what? We had the biggest flame up that you could ever see. And I'm just kind of like, hmm, I thought this wasn't supposed to happen. And he was getting all excited and yelling at his wife to bring out a water squirt bottle. And I just chuckled on the inside because, you know, I can get a flame up with my $100 grill just as good as the flame up on this multi-hundred dollar grill that he had. Fat will feed the fire. And every day, the priest was to arrange this, this sacrifice so that the fat fed the fire. I want to tell you something about that. We weren't made to be hermits. That's why fellowship feeds our spiritual life. We were made to do community and to do life with other people. That's why we are so passionate about getting you involved in a Sunday school class, a small group, a group of people that you can do life and share life together with. Because life by yourself is pretty tough. It's tough enough to do life with a group of people that you love and you share things in common with, but man, to go alone, it is really tough. 
And when you fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you fan the flame of your spiritual life because fat is dripping on it. That's why sometimes I think it's a great idea for believers to get together, not for necessarily a a, a worship time or a service project or a Bible study, but just get together for fellowship, just to laugh, to cry, to share life together, to have uplifting conversations, encourage each other in the Lord. Sometimes, though, here's a little caution. When we get together as brothers and sisters, that's not a time to talk about somebody that's not there or have a gripe session about something that you don't like about the church. That isn't pleasing to God. We need to feed our spiritual life with the fat of the fellowship that we get from other brothers and sisters. John said in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And that's the kind of fellowship that we need to have. And if you want to keep the fire burning in your life, you need to make sure that you feed your flame with the fat of fellowship. You need to spend time with these believers who support you in your Christian walk and make you feel good about your relationship with the Lord, who help encourage you rather than discourage you. You need to spend your time with brothers and sisters that encourage you to holy living rather than pull you away from the Lord. And some of you might need to do a friend check there. Close your Bibles up because we're, we're about finished, okay? I just want to talk to you for a moment. Some of you are here today and you're thinking, you know, I probably really needed to hear this because maybe the fire in your life is barely flickering. Maybe it's barely alive. Maybe it's only got one little ember that's just kind of barely hanging on. Maybe the fire in your life has completely gone out. It is stone cold and you can put your hand on it. But I want to tell you something. It only takes a spark to to start a fire. Did you know that? Some of us remember old Smokey the Bear telling us that, you know, it only takes a spark to burn a fire or forest down. Maybe your life is in need of a, of a restart of a fire. And I've got great news for you this morning. God can give you that spark to get your fire going again. And my hope and prayer for you is that your life is going to burn bright with a passion for God. That a passion for the Lord and the things of of the Lord and that it'll never be extinguished. It'll never go out because you are daily adding fuel to the fire of your life. Jeff Foxworthy, uh, some of you may know Jeff Foxworthy. He was the guy that, he's a southern redneck comedian. He said, you might be a redneck if, you remember him? Well, he had his own sitcom at one time, and just a few doors away was Jerry Seinfeld. They shared kind of the same dressing area. And one day, Foxworthy, you know, snagged and kind of stole Seinfeld's little golf cart that took him back and forth to the set, and they decorated it redneck style. 
And they begin to get themselves ready for what they knew was going to be a payback. And so they, they knew that this was going to start a war of pranks. And so they were ready. And they waited and they waited and they waited. And guess what? Nothing ever happened. And finally, Jerry ran in to, uh, to Jeff one day. And Jeff said, hey, we, we kept expecting you to get even with us and for, for what we did to your golf cart. And he said, you know... We got to talking about that, and we kept trying to think of ways that we could get, get back and get even, but, you know, we just got so busy working that we just, we just forgot about it. Foxworthy said, you know, that got me to thinking. Because his show was number one at the time, and mine was number 70. So he said, what's the difference in the priorities of a guy whose life is number one and mine's number 70? priorities it was his priorities the difference it takes between number one and seven it comes down to your priorities in your marriage your job your relationship with your children your spiritual life but I'm afraid that too many people are just like the church that Jesus spoke about in Revelation 2 4. He said, Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. He said, You have forsaken your first love. You forgot your first love. So he's given us a clue here. So maybe today you're here and your fire has completely gone out. I mean, it is, it is stone cold and it's, it needs a total restart. Maybe it just needs a few logs added on. Maybe it's got a few coals, but it needs, needs to have some oxygen added to it and some fat. I'm really thinking that there are people today here that have kind of let their fire begin to dwindle. They've, they failed to take care of the fire in their life, and that's my prayer for you today take care of the spiritual fire because I want you to burn bright I want people when they know that you go to Oakwood Christian Church think yeah those people are on fire for the Lord they love the Lord so much